welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig, we're coming up upon another holiday, Mother's Day. Yay. And you know what that means. It means Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> we love them. They gave us life. That's right. And then we, of course, because we're big dorks, we love to do themed films. And we've gone several, a few years on this podcast without ever doing the extremely obvious film, Mother's Day. So we're doing this now. And by the way, we this is not the newer remake version, a loose remake from what I hear yeah. of Mother's Day. This is the original 1980 film directed by Charles Kaufman, who... Interesting fact is the brother of Lloyd Kaufman from Troma. Mm-hmm. So we've recently done uh, Toxic Avenger, so it's kind of f- cool that we're doing this movie now. It's not that Charles Kaufman has actually done a lot of stuff, but this movie was in a small way produced by Troma. 1980, we're still kind of in the early days of Troma. Actually, Charles Kaufman, um, the writer-director of this film, is listed also as one of the two writers of Squeeze Play, mm-hmm. which was one of Troma's earlier successes, kind of a base- baseball-themed sex comedy. Then he went off to do this completely wacko movie, um, which is a little bit notorious, I guess. When it came out, it got banned, I think, outright in a few countries, especially the UK. They just wouldn't release it. It had to endure some cuts to be released in places like Germany. I think here, you know, obviously we're we're in the United States and it's pretty liberal and I, it screened, but it didn't do very well. Although apparently in the meantime, we hear it has gained a bit of a cult following, as most things do in the age of the internet. So here we are talking about Mother's Day from 1980. Yep. I'd never seen this film before, so this was kind of fun to be able to watch it. It had been on my list. You know, this is one of those that I, again, had seen the cover art when you're walking through the aisles of the video store back in the day, it's kind of a take on Whistler's mother yep. uh, with a crazy grinning woman. Half of her face is a skull. Her two boys are standing behind her, and the tagline is, I'm so proud of my boys, they never forget their mama. <laughs> She's holding a box with a head in it. So, you know, I mean, you kind of know before you get into it what you're going to expect here. And I felt like the movie pretty much delivered exactly what I expected. Yep. <laughs> Do you have any history with this movie at all, Craig? Nope. I hadn't seen it either. And uh, just like you, for me, the box art was very familiar. It's it's one of those things, and I've said this several times on the podcast, but the box art is so familiar that I'm really surprised that I haven't seen it because mm. I must have you know, walked by it on the shelves a hundred times. <laughs> right. I like watching his many horror movies as I can. So I'm surprised that I hadn't seen it, but uh, no, I never had. And going in, because I read a lot of stuff too. You know, I read a lot of uh, horror websites and, and those types of things. I'd read about it, and so I kind of had an idea of what it was about, and, and I knew kind of what type of movie that it was. And when it boils down to it, to a large extent, it's very much a rape-revenge movie mm. along the lines of I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left. And that is not my favorite subgenre of uh, horror films. Agreed. I've watched them, um, both of those that I just mentioned, I've watched them. 
appreciate them for what they are, but sexual violence just makes me very uncomfortable, which I assume it does for most people, or at least I would hope that it does. It's got to be one of the most shocking things that you can put up on screen. Probably, you know, some of the most notorious horror films are those kind of films, right? Yeah, it's 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 very difficult and very uncomfortable for me to watch. And so having read about this movie, I can't say that I was uh, super excited about going into it. But that being said... I didn't find it as disturbing as those other movies that I've said. There is some sexual violence, but not nearly as much, and it's not as gratuitous. It's still gratuitous, but not as gratuitous as those movies. I don't know. I I think that I found myself enjoying this movie more than I thought that I would. Mm. I, I think that when it comes down to it, I thought that this movie was more like a very, very dark comedy yeah. than than those other m- movies, which were just gratuitously violent. And I don't know, you know, again, maybe we'll talk about one of those movies someday and we can talk about them in more depth, that they're so violent and so nasty um, that it's really hard to watch. And there's at least one scene here where there is sexual violence, and it's not easy to watch, but there's less focus on that, and I think uh, a little bit more of the very dark comedy that kind of pulled me into this more than I expected it to. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. I, You know, the, the two movies you mentioned, I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left, those are pretty brutal, and they're supposed to be brutal. I would even put The Hills Have Eyes, and yeah. even The Hills Have Eyes remake on that, where it is so shocking and so gratuitous and so uh, serious. You know, Mm -hmm. what happens to these women in these films that it just makes you ill. And it's, yeah, it's really difficult to watch. Whereas this movie, it didn't really take itself terribly seriously. It's really obvious throughout that this film is supposed to be, like you said, a very, very dark comedy. And having reviewed a trauma film in the past, I, I, you can't really, this is not a classic trauma film. No, this is not so wackadoodle out there as most trauma films are. It's, kind of vaguely on the fence of something in the similar ballpark in that Mm -hmm. it just has a goofiness level to it that, you know, allows you to really not get too worked up over even, you know, sort of the sexual violence aspect of it. Not, not to downplay that at all, but you know, it, it just didn't feel, it didn't hit you at that gut visceral level that as I too was expecting to get. In fact, I would say, um, and I've always said trauma movies, I think, are better made than people give them credit for. But yeah. there's still an amateurishness about them that is pretty evident on the screen. Whereas in this movie, I actually felt like quite a bit of it was pretty well made. Yeah. There were some nice aspects to the cinematography. There were some clever transitions. Uh, it's clear that the people that went into this movie you know, had a modicum of what they were doing. It wasn't a cheap film like I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a cheap drive-in, cash grab kind of movie. And I think, I mean, it kind of is. But at its heart, there's actually some substance behind it. And uh, it's not really deep. (laughs) No, no. And it's not high art, but there's art here, you know, I think. Well, and it it is a cheap movie. I mean, they shot it for just over $100,000. And they shot it on, you know, actual locations like the house that, 
is the central location of the movie was an actual abandoned house in the woods that actually has, you know, we read about these things online, you know, this house that they shot it in had its own history and that the previous owner of the house, I believe, had been murdered. And in addition to that, before shooting, uh, I think a dead body had been found in the house. And, you know, it's mostly just shot in this house and in the woods surrounding it. And it is inexpensive in the way that it was filmed (laughs) but you're right it's not of low quality even the acting i was surprised by you know these yeah these these folks are playing heightened characters so it's over the top but it's not poorly acted. In no. fact, I thought it was pretty well acted. I completely agree with you. I honestly, like, I was especially taken by one of the brothers. His name is Ike. Uh, and he is... Fr- is he the tall one? He's the one, yeah, with the weird eye. Yeah, I right? was too. What the heck? He was fantastic. Like- <laughs> and, yeah. and he comes on the screen and he's got like a weird eye. It's kind of it's kind of clouded over and he has these and teeth. And he's wearing like these fake, yeah, fake teeth that are gross. He's supposed to be very hillbilly. And at first he comes on the screen. It's just like so freaking over the top. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. But the more you watch him, it's he's actually quite good at it. And, he, and even his character has like kind of a little bit of depth, you know, for a comedic uh-huh. sort of role. And I went and looked him up. This guy's name is Frederick Coffin. He died in 2003, but he has uh, quite a few credits to his name. He was in like 99 films. Wow. Under Siege, um, a ton of TV like L.A. Law, Walker, Texas Ranger, MacGyver and stuff. It's really quite, quite impressive, actually. And it makes sense because he was in Dallas, dude. This guy was in six episodes of <laughs> Dallas. We're all talking 1980s stuff here. Right. But, but um, you know, he was working right up until he died. He was in Identity. That was the last movie he did, which it's not a horror movie, but it's kind of a thriller. You could maybe call it a horror. I don't know, mystery. Yeah. I like that movie, actually. One of the bits of trivia that I read was that there are three young women who are kind of our central characters, and they are tormented by this family of a mother and two sons. And I I read that one of the women and one of the actors who portrayed the tormentors began kind of a romantic relationship. And I can understand (laughs) why, because the younger, I guess, of the two, the shorter, the smaller one, Mm. he's a nice-looking young man. And the, the guy that you were just talking about take out that contact lens that he's wearing in one eye and take off his fake teeth. I'm sure he was a very attractive young man also. Yeah. And these young and these young ladies are all attracted to. You know, I can totally understand where <laughs> they would hook up. Um but I, I guess that, you know, this kind of romantic thing started to happen and, and the director asked them to please postpone their relationship until after the movie had shot because he was afraid that it would affect the relationship on screen. He didn't think that the young lady would be adequately terrorized by this guy (laughs) if they were in real life in a romantic relationship. But I just thought that that was interesting. You know, having done a tiny bit of 
nothing acting myself. You know, you you do you you get put in these circumstances with people where you're together all the time and you're working together and you're playing together and you're spending so much time together. Romantic and sexual things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do tell, Craig. (laughs) Oh, come on. You know, college is college. (laughs) Romantic and sexual things are happening all the time. It happens with dads. (laughs) But no, I just just thought that was really... I I read that before I watched the movie, and then I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, I can totally see that. Mm. Like, these guys, as as horrible as they are in the movie, they had... I hate to say it, it's kind of gross to say, but they kind of had a certain charm about them. Yeah, they, you know? <laughs> you're right. Like, they didn't come across as all that sinister. I think there were moments. And, of course, you don't want to downplay the fact that they're they're doing horrible things and they're supposed to be these backwoods-type characters who are... I mean, the gist of it is there's this mother and there are these two guys and they're her sons. And Uh what they do is they kidnap women and then they rape and torture them and eventually kill them for the mother's pleasure. Right. She likes to watch this go on and she encourages it. She's even taught them basically how to do it. And that, on its face, sounds horrible. And of course it's horrible. But when you watch the movie, it doesn't seem as horrible as your mind conjures up before you watch it, because it's done so comedically. It's done with kind of um, a little bit of satire, a little bit of whatever. It's not to say they don't do these things, and that's not terrible. But then you get these long scenes where they're like goofing around and squirting cheese whiz in their mouths. It's like if you took the scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they're all sitting around the table, this total yep. dysfunctional family, but you made it more of a sitcom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's what you get here. It's, it's almost a parody or satire of that. And so it feels a little lighter, and somehow that really tampens down the uncomfortable parts of the movie, to the extent where I think it actually works against the movie's favor, because I never really felt a strong sense of suspense, even when the girls are running for their lives, or one of them gets killed, and they're kind of going through the woods, and they're trying to get away from these guys, like, it all just seemed a little goofy, and I just couldn't get that real visceral feeling like, oh my god, I hope they make it. I just was always aware, 100%, that I was watching a movie. Sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Now, there was there is one scene that is is very difficult to watch, but beyond that, it's more just the bad guy chasing the girls through the woods. You mm. know, it, it it's not all that disturbing. And like these guys, even though they're playing hillbilly kind of and goofy and whatever, I mean they're. I don't want to call them endearing because they're violent and horrible, but mm. but they're kind of endearing <laughs> to a certain extent. I it's mean, true. beyond the fact that they are, you know, brutal rapists, and and there is one scene that that's brutal and and uncomfortable to watch. But beyond that, it's not like you're rooting for them. You're still rooting for the girls, but. The guys, uh, you know, they're they're interesting characters. They're not just these nasty, violent forces. Yeah. As in, in The Hills Have Eyes, the villains 
are just monstrously evil and you're terrified of them mm. throughout and they're just absolutely horrible. And in this movie, it's not like you want to grab a beer with these guys, but you kind of you almost sympathize with them a little bit because ultimately they're being manipulated by their mother. Yeah, and that's made very obvious in the film. Yeah, and and they are a product of their upbringing. Right. You know, like, this is the way that she has raised them to be. Um, and so, I don't know, I guess you, I guess I had a little bit of empathy for them, I, I suppose. A, a little bit. No, I totally understand what you're saying. And that's kind of nice, actually. It cuts... Again, and you know, we've just seen so many films like this that this it's it's kind of nice to to watch a movie where it, it doesn't cut so hard. You know, it's not so brutal, it's not so nasty, right? Uh, and you're right, the characters of these people is what saved the movie. And the other thing that this film does that a lot of movies, and I mean, I would call this an exploitation film. It was made yep. to shock, obviously, but one thing that this exploitation film does that a lot of them don't even bother to do is it really takes its time in the beginning to set the characters of these yes. girls. Yes, and I was totally shocked by that i mean like half an hour of the movie and it's not it's not the most interesting stuff i've seen but it's certainly more interesting than than a lot of stuff i've seen does that make sense yeah like oh yeah like it wasn't boring no it wasn't boring like these three girls um well, first you get a, a scene that just sets up. I mean, it's almost obligatory. You got to show some scene that shows you how dangerous everybody is and what's going on. Uh, there's a quick scene where there's a a, a a woman who attends this, an old woman, and the like, mother like in self help. Yeah, yeah. The mother in this is played by Beatrice Ponce. Now she looks super familiar to me, anyway, because she has this. I don't know, just this aspect to her that's kind of hard to miss you know she looks a lot like um dota denny who was uh, in willy wonk and the chocolate factory who mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. Um, the mother you know what i'm talking about n- n- absolutely yeah. no relation but she still has that same look uh, but she was in car 54 where are you the like 1960s tv series and not like i was alive then but i used to watch a lot of nick at night when i was uh-huh. a kid and I, so I watched a lot of that and uh, i remembered her from that totally so uh, it was weird for me to read in the trivia that she was so excited to play this role uh-huh. that she did it under an assumed name so she wouldn't get in trouble from the Screen Actors Guild. Like, who reads a script like this? <laughs> you know? know? And is like, oh my god, I need to play the sadistic mother who cheers on her sons while they're, you know, raping and killing people, and this is clearly just going to play and drive. Darlings, you have made your mother very proud. She lends an interesting element to this as well. And again, as satire, it really works. She attends a self-help seminar, and these two total hippie people um, come home with her. And it's a really interesting dynamic in that first scene where they're really playing with you. At first, she just volunteers to give them a ride because the, the girl mentions that they don't have their car or something like that. And then you get the sense as the car is going along that they want to kill her. Yeah, it's a total bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, it's a bait and switch thing. And he's got like a rope in the back and then the car breaks down and she gets out of the car and goes to the hood and lifts it up in the meantime the girl moves to the driver's seat and it looks like she's going to step on the gas and 
I guess, restart it somehow and run over the mother, but it, actually she's just turning on the music. Uh, it, it really plays with you in, in an interesting way. I, it was a bit suspenseful, even yeah. though I kind of figured I knew it was going to happen. It, it was suspenseful. And it was clever, and it was actually well done. And at the end of it, you know, obviously the mother is psycho. The sons show up, and they decapitate the guy. They almost rape the girl, but they don't. But then the mother strangles the girl. And it's so it sets it up in this early scene that these this messed up family works together. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. I thought that it was a great way to kind of establish what was going on. And then it cuts to this kind of weird montage thing where like we see a slideshow and we hear these three girls talking like they're reminiscing about their college days. Oh yeah. god, look at your My face, god, Jackie. the rubber spider that one was so great. Look at her sleeping with her mouth open. the next morning at 9, you know. Oh, boy, My god. Great Sometimes you're not surprised how immature you two can be. They're best friends and they their thing is they play tricks on each other and they play pranks on other people, but they're best friends. They're the Rat Pack and they're going to be <laughs> the Rat Pack forever. Um, and it's really quick. Well, it's the opening credits, basically. Yeah, with this photo montage, and then it cuts to ten years later, and we catch up with all the girls. And that, the another thing that I liked about this movie was that they gave each of these, what ultimately become the victims, they gave all of them really distinct personalities. Yeah. Trina is the blonde one, and she ends up being like a rich Beverly Hills socialite. Jackie lives in Chicago, but she's got like this actor loser boyfriend who steals money from her and stuff. Um, and then Abby is kind of the meekest of them all. Abby, you know, what we see in her life is that she uh, has to care for her ailing mother, who we only hear, um, and if I remember correctly, did I read that Charles Kaufman was the voice of the mother? Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I think so. But the the mom's like, It's about time you got home, slut! You're out whoring around with it! Oh, I have to take five pills and six! Don't tell me where you've been! Like, <laughs> you're out whoring around! <laughs> That bit was hilarious. But they all have these really distinctive personalities. And the premise is that, you know, they were great friends in college and they promised each other that they would stay great friends and they would keep getting together. And they get together every year and every year it's a surprise. And each one of the, like, they, they rotate. So each one of them takes a turn planning the trip or whatever. This year is Jackie's turn. And she just, she takes them out into the woods for. Uh, a camping trip. As I was watching it, I couldn't wait to talk to you about the gas station scene. (laughs) Because we have talked so many times about these gas station scenes (laughs) where they stop at a gas station and some creepy gas station attendant tells them, don't go out there. You're going to get what you deserve, you liberal lesbos. <laughs> Les, lesbeans, I think Les is what beans. he calls them. <laughs> that was hilarious. And I, felt, I felt like they were directly parodying the gas station scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre here. I don't know where it started, but these 
gas station scenes. Um, we we've talked about them a million times. It's hilarious. It's hilarious because then the girls come in. Like like of course it's the creepy gas station attendant who's warning them not to go to uh, Deep Barrens, which is where they're heading. Yeah. And you know she's shopping. She doesn't even care. She could care less. Like, okay, whatever. She's picking up an apple and she's picking up a bunch of beer and whatnot. And then the other girls come stumbling in with bags over their heads. Like, they're all half drunk. And they just start knocking over all of the crap in the store. (laughs) And they hustle on out. And then, you know, like you said, he chases after them. You get what you deserve, them deep bonds and lesbians. You won't be causing no one, no trouble, no more. You know, it starts out as that kind of scene, and it devolves into this total joke, you know? Yeah. Which is cool. They, they get to their destination, and they're just camping, you know? Like, they don't have a, they don't even have a tent or anything. They're just sleeping out in sleeping bags. In their underwear? <laughs> yeah. And they're playing, you know, they're playing gags on one another, like Jackie... Like, they're all sitting around getting stoned, and all of a sudden, Jackie disappears, and she comes back, and it looks like she has a knife in her back, but really, it's just tucked under her arm. And so, like, this is that's their shtick. Like, they yeah. that's what they do. They, they goof on one another. Well, there's even a flashback to a scene in college when, you know, one, yeah. the one with the terrible boyfriend comes in, and he wants to do her in the middle of the baseball field, and she takes off, and then they flip on all the lights and come across the intercom and whatnot. I I think it was funny that while they were going out to the camping site, they were leaving a literal trail of beer cans behind them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like evenly spaced, upright. <laughs> it's so well, silly. That, that scene with... Uh, okay, so it was Jackie who was dating this douche of a guy, and they humiliate him. Now, I thought... You know, he gets naked and they turn on all the lights and he runs off. I mean, it's really just the three of them there. It's not like they publicly exposed him or whatever, but they humiliate him. And I thought that that was going to be important. And I guess that it is (laughs) because when it comes back from the flashback scene, they say something like, oh, Jackie, you're so unlucky in love or like... Men always crap on you or something like that. It led me to believe that Jackie was going to be the final girl. Mm, Me too. Especially since Trina is really kind of vapid. And Trina says in these early things, oh my gosh, why are we still doing this? Aren't we getting a little old? I don't even know if I'm going to come next year. And, And they're like, oh no, God, we have to do this. Abby is kind of set up as the one, like she's needy, like she's the one who has this mo- this demanding mother at home, mm-hmm. and she just keeps saying how important this is to her, and, and at one point she just thanks them, like, thank you, thank you so much for always being here for me, and I, you know, I need you, yada yada, but I was convinced I, I, first of all, I thought Trina was going to go first, mm. and I thought that Jackie was going to be the final girl, and the movie subverted all of that. Yeah. Because, you know, after they've had, you know, their fun lady time, all the while, we know that they're being watched by the brothers. We get some POV shots, we get some 
things where we see like the weeds rustling or whatever obviously somebody's watching them and eventually the brothers attack and they tie them all up in their sleeping bags and drag them home to mom and that's where the nastiness uh begins i don't know i'll let you talk about that (laughs) (laughs) well i mean they drag them home and they live in this house, and it's this is where the movie starts to feel a little cheap. It's not like like a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where the house where these people live is this horrible dungeon, and it, you know it's got all this these bones and all. You know, it's just really, really sick. It's like somebody came into this house and just started spray painting stuff everywhere and just threw a bunch of garbage in. You know, it's 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 like they're they live in filth and they kind of live in you know squalor, but they have. A weightlifting room. <laughs> they have a gym on the second uh-huh. floor, and so they take these girls and they tie. I think it's um, Trina gets tied to the machine where you you pull your arms together, yeah. uh, and then Abby gets tied to I don't know something some, some, something, and then Jackie uh, eventually gets taken away. Mom's cackling, and Mom is encouraging them, and they're grabbing them, and they're they're messing with them, and they take uh, Jackie down outside, and she's. It's funny, actually. What I kind of liked about this was that it it really kept it up in the air as to what was going to be going on. Yeah. You know, it really did. Uh, unexpected things and that was what was good about the scene anyway but they they sit the mother in a rocking chair on the lawn and uh, they pull her out and they're they're like oh dude let's do the park bench scene yeah it's a role-playing thing yeah it's very it which is very different than the other kinds of movies that i've seen it's like they're the mother has trained them specifically to do these things for her entertainment right and, and that's how it plays out. Like, it's gross, but it's very different than just, oh, I found you and now I'm going to beat you up and rape you. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It, it's, it, it sets itself apart from those other movies. And it's so weird, and in, in a way it's so, I mean, comical, that it takes a lot of the edge off of it, I think. Because it's hard to take the movie seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're watching yeah. it. Like I said earlier, I feel like I'm watching a movie and actors doing something. And so when, you know, this scene where they've got her propped up and they're like, all right, now you're on a park bench and you're reading this thing and they shove this thing in front of her and they come around and they, they you know, leap over and like they're going to kill her. But then at the end of the day, they lay her down and, and it's like he's going to get on top of her. And then they switch to a new scene. By the end of the whole thing, I think she ends up getting raped by one of the guys. But yeah. Even that is done, um, you see it from the second story window of the house, which is a bit of a distance. Um, where where the other girls can see. At, at least Trina uh, yeah. can see, right. Yeah, so they're looking down on it. And it sounds really sinister, and it is. I mean, they're looking down on what could be their fate, and they see their friend, you know, this happened to their friend. But it's not nearly as gratuitous as it could have been. No. And I was really surprised by that. And, it, and that's kind of how the whole movie is, really. And and that's really about it for the rape, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's no minimizing 
the horror of sexual assault. I mean, of that's it's it's disgusting. But, but you know, but we're you see comparing. something. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's what I'm saying. You see something like uh, the original Last House on the Left. I mean, I was just Ugh. physically ill watching that movie. Like it was just. Uh, even thinking back on it just almost makes me sick. It it was so violent and so uh, it was just awful. It was just mm. awful, and this is awful too. Sexual assault is awful in any form, but there's less focus on it, and the perspective, even the way that it was shot, is different. I mean, yes, you see the male actors naked, but as he's laying on top of her between her legs you know there's there's no question what's happening but it's not as gratuitous as some of those other exploitation films which thank god because yeah. that's what i was expecting mm-hmm. and it wasn't as stomach churning here i mean it's still upsetting you still know what's happening but there's not so much focus on it so Thank you, Mother's Day, because <laughs> I really didn't have the stomach for it. Yeah, we were. you could tell we were both a little, you know, we were both gearing up for the worst for this film. We don't really enjoy no. watching this stuff. And, uh, you know, we review these movies because they're movies and they're horror films, and right. this one was Mother's Day themed. But we knew what we were getting into, but we were not expecting to um, have a comfortable viewing. And this was... Right. This at least... Um, subverted our expectations in that way too so that's comforting right. that's comforting yeah yeah you wouldn't have to cut out much at all for this to be pretty tame actually no you could you know you could cut out those mm, three to five seconds mm-hmm. and you know it would still be suggested but you wouldn't have to see it this happens over the course of several days mm-hmm uh, and and they all go to bed, and then the next day when they get up, the two boys come down for breakfast, and it's comical, you know, yeah. like they've got all this silly breakfast food on the table, and like one of the boys like walks over the table to get to his seat, and like steps on a big old platter of donuts, and like not only do they have breakfast food on the table, but there's cat food on the table. Like, do they eat cat food? Like, <laughs> <laughs> where are the cats? <laughs> right. What happened? Which is, you know, gross and, and uncomfortable, but nonetheless. And so then they just kind of go about their day. And then there's an exercise montage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the exercise slash training montage, right? I read, I wouldn't even have recognized it. I read that they were trying to emulate the Rocky theme during mm. this, but they were doing it in so much as they could and still not get sued for copyright. So, like, (laughs) if you know that going in and you listen, you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like the Rocky music. Um, (laughs) But the funny thing that I thought about that scene was, like, they can't possibly do this 
routine every day because they're like destroying the house. Yeah. <laughs> like they're like busting out windows yep. and it's a riot. And it's also a little boring too. I mean, it's not Yeah. It, it's not again, I'm not we're we seem to be heaping a bit of praise on this movie. It's still not fantastic filmmaking. No. It's just a cut several cuts above, you know, what we normally see in these kind of films. Yeah. Um but you know, it's these antics and it kind of mirrors in a way, it's 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 almost a parallel of what the girls what we got from the first half of the movie, where the girls are doing all these antics and things with each other. Yeah. And I think that's what humanizes these guys a little bit, is because we just sat through about thirty minutes of these three girls' nice relationship where they goofed on each other and you know they played these pranks and they did this stuff and now we've got the brothers almost doing the same thing right and and so yeah it it, like you said they're not total monsters but also it really cuts the edge off because it's hard to take the movie seriously at this point right it's really devolving into satire but then there's just this odd bit which is just poor filmmaking honestly the two girls i guess they go upstairs and they play around with the little two girls Oh, I think Trina is trying to escape by rubbing her rope against a nail on the wall. But they get up there first. And you think, oh, God, you know, in any other movie, like, they get punished for this. Like, okay, she's the next to go. But they just sort of, like, take her ropes off and take the ropes off the other girl and then just leave and continue to do their stuff. Yes. And these girls are totally unbound now. And I'm thinking, why are they even still upstairs? (laughs) So... What they do is, like, one of the girls puts, oh, I think it's Trina, goes into a... Sleeping bag. And this is one of the things that they showed in their earlier montage. They'd done this before. Like, somebody had to sneak out of their house or something. Oh, yeah. I missed that. So they lowered her out in a sleeping bag. And they do this here. I actually, I don't know. I feel like you were getting ready to disparage this scene. I actually thought that it was really tense. Like, the boys are... Really? Like, they're play fighting. It's like they're little boys, you know? Mm -hmm. And in, in many ways, they are. Because they've been coddled by their mother. They've been totally secluded from the rest of the world and so they fight like kids fight and they you know they're kind of fighting one another or whatever meanwhile they put trina in a sleeping bag and abby is lowering her down and maybe this is what you were getting at it doesn't make any sense they tie her up with this like thin cord and supposedly Abby is single-handedly able to lower her down. Well, now, that is impossible. Um, But the way that things go down is Abby starts to lower her down, uh, and then one of the boys trying to evade the other one um, comes and stands right underneath where the sleeping bag is going down. So Abby has to stop. Now, the reason that I kind of interrupted you is because I thought this was one of the coolest parts of the movie. They do this, what I thought was a great special effects shot, where they show that the cord is almost literally cutting Abby's hand off. Mm -hmm. Like it slices all through her skin, all the way around her hand. And I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it looked real, but it looked real enough to make me, yes, like, oh my (laughs) God, that's horrible. (laughs) I am absolutely not disparaging the scene. I'm disparaging the result of this scene. So anyway, the guy goes away and they lower her down. To what end? 
She gets out of her sleeping bag. She walks it back into the house and back up the stairs to the room. <laughs> I know. I thought the same thing, and the only way that I could justify it in my mind was that the door must have been locked from the outside. Okay, maybe. So she had to go up and open it from the outside to get Abby out, oh. which she does. And then Abby's hands are all messed up, so I feel like they kind of try to really quick wrap them up or whatever. And then they go looking for uh, Jackie. And it's way too easy. You know, this yeah. is the thing. There's no suspense here. There should be, and maybe they think there is. But these guys are just out playing around, goofing off in the yard. They are freely able to roam around this house, make a ton of noise. Nothing really happens to them. And so right. it's really hard to take the movie seriously at this point but they wander into one of the guy's rooms i guess and they open up one of the um doors in there the closets and there's the body of the woman who we had seen in the very first scene of the movie and then yeah. there's the head of the guy and then i thought this was clever too there's a hand that comes out of a chest of drawers and mm-hmm. and that's where uh jackie has been stuffed mm-hmm. and she's barely alive at this point and that's that's pretty heart-wrenching Mm-hmm. But again, they're able to pick her up. They're able to take her all the way down these stairs and out. Well, I, I don't think they – they don't get all the way out. They well, get almost all the way out, and then the brothers attack them. But then the mother – Screams. Distracts them, which this was the weirdest part of the movie for me. The mother screams, and so even though they're trying to apprehend these girls, the mother screams, and they both go running to her. And she goes off on this thing about, oh. Oh my god i saw her it was queenie she was in the forest <laughs> like yeah and so then we get introduced to this idea of queenie which just comes up and then goes away for a while and then she talks more about it later so because the boys have been distracted the girls get away they run into the forest but jackie is done like yeah sh- she's out of it she's unconscious they're just dragging her along basically and there comes a point where they realize they can't do that anymore and so they lay jackie down and they like cover her in leaves and abby says i'll stay with her trina go get help and so trina goes off and she finds the car that they came in but the boys have already sabotaged it and so then she runs around and she sees a cop car coming and so she waves it down but it ends up being one of the guys the tall good looking minus the bad eye and bad teeth one. And I didn't even understand that. Like yeah. was he is is he really like the town cop or do they just have a cop car? <laughs> I think I that tell. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Is that he's really the? Because why else would he have been? I mean, none of it makes any sense. He's in uniform. He's got the cop car. Yeah. It, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, all of this, it's probably like 20 minutes at least, where they're just running around the forest and he's chasing her and she tricks him and she gets away. Meanwhile, Jackie dies. She just dies. Um, and Abby's all upset, and Trina, having escaped the bad guy, finds them, and then that's the point where it becomes a revenge. The revenge, movie. yeah. And 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 it's Abby who has been the meek and mild one all along, who all of a sudden is now the badass. Like 
we're going to get them for this. Well, it's because she lost her glasses, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And so they braid their hair and put on... <laughs> Like like, like bands, bandana headbands. <laughs> of course, <laughs> and and they go back they, for their revenge. They drag Jackie's body back to the house and prop her up against a tree because they're like she needs to see this. <laughs> and 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 I'm racing through this for time, but some of it is really kind of poignant. Like hmm. they, you know, they sit Jackie up. Jackie, every way you turned in life, you got shit. Well, now we'll do the fighting back for you. And it's gross, you know, like that they're setting up this wide-eyed corpse to watch this. But honestly, I was feeling like, you know what? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Let her see you kick their asses. I, I want her to see that. And then that's uh, basically what it becomes. And it really is pretty freaking easy for them. Yeah, it really they is. They go in and they, you know, kind of ambush the boys one at a time. I, how did they kill the first one? I don't remember. The the younger one, the short oh, one. Oh, he got like, an, some, like a hammer to the groin or something and a, right. some spiky thing stuck through his eye or something. It was, it was really An antenna. Quick. An antenna from the car. Antenna through yeah, his that was throat. A, yeah. And, and then they shoved a bunch of cloth down his throat and suffocated him. And it happens really fast. And as soon as they get in there. And then the other one, the taller, good-looking one, they're trying to drag the other one's body out, which I don't really even understand why. But mm. the taller, better-looking one, like, dives through the window and, and pounces on them. You know, kind of has the advantage over them for a while, but eventually... One of them pours Drano down his throat, <laughs> and then they run back in the house, and then the other one, like, smashes a TV on top of his head, and his whole head goes through the TV, and he's getting electrocuted. And it doesn't even look real. It's so silly. No. Well, it's, it's clearly an emptied-out television set. Yeah. Like, there's no mechanism inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Drano thing, even, is... Um, this is a classic trauma thing. It's so classic that they put it in every movie just as a reference. But one of the earliest quote unquote special effects that Lloyd Kaufman found out was you could very easily fake foaming at the mouth. Sure, sure. By putting like Alka Seltzer or something yeah. in your mouth and then sipping a bunch of and so like they do that in almost every movie and I feel like this has gotta be one of the first moments, you know, for one of the original moments where, you know, they took some special effect like that. Like they needed to do the Drano because they knew how to do this effect. It's so silly how it all goes down, but you know, it does. And you're right, it's way too quick. And I skipped an important part because while the tall one is out like stalking the girls in the night, the other one is at home with the mom and she's like playing board games with them and uh she's like come on we're having fun you have to stay with me and they have this talk about queenie and queenie apparently was the mom's sister who was a psycho and tried to kill her the mom is wearing a neck brace through this whole thing mm. and she says oh she broke my neck in the crib and the son's like well Grandma said she killed her after that. I think you just tell us that Queenie's still out there to keep us here. And she's like, no, I don't. She's really here. Swear you'll stay forever. So we, the audience, of course, don't know if this is really a 
story or if she's just using it to keep the boys around or whatever. Yeah, but it does have that effect. And again, this is another one of those scenes where I felt like the movie was a little better than it deserved to be because you see a little glimmer in his eye. You see this sort of doubt, right, from yeah. the son of uh, this realization in a way that his mother is manipulating him and has been all these years. Right. But they're not strong enough, you know, or whatever. It's his mom. It's his mom. And so, well, you know, and that's kind of where the empathy comes in. Like, mm-hmm. you feel bad for these boys. You know, who knows what they could have been had they not been in this scenario, but this psycho woman has kept them in the woods and trained them to be what they are. Yeah. And so they're kind of empathetic in a way. Really? It's true. Oh, so anyway, how do they do the mom off? I forgot. Oh, 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 I do. No, it's, no, I it's hilarious. I can't believe you would forget. Um, okay, so once boy, both the boys are dead, and Trina has a scuffle with uh, Ike, he ends up dead. And then the mom is kind of sneaking around trying to get them, but they trick her. Abby tricks her with the same knife gag that uh, Jackie had pulled earlier. But they get the better of her, and Abby... <laughs> grabs a inflatable plastic pillow in the shape of breasts and she shoves one of the breasts in her face mm-hmm. and she starts talking to her as though it is her own mother i actually thought this was really funny yeah <laughs> let me go don't worry your daughter will take care of you You stay in bed and we'll get your clothes and make your food and take care of everything. You stay in bed. Why? Because you're a sick woman. I'll take care of you and you'll never have to worry about anything ever again. <laughs> it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And and so she suffocates her with this uh plastic booby pillow. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's there's something there's some symbolism there somehow. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. try to unpack it, but yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I I think it's kind of obvious, you know, like this girl obviously let- they they didn't make much of it throughout, except for that Abby was the timid one who was so grateful to have her time with her friends, and that we just briefly saw that her home life was her just constantly being berated by her bedridden mother. Mm-hmm. And so now she kind of has the opportunity to take out that animosity on this mother. Oh, no. I get that part. I'm just talking about the clear plastic inflatable boob that gets shoved in the mother's mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's unpack the symbolism there. (laughs) A a little taste of what, you know. The funny part is... my grandparents had a pillow like that. You're kidding. When I was young. It wasn't plastic and inflatable, but it was pink and fuzzy and boobs. Oh my god. <laughs> and at some point in college I stole it. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Don't listen, grandpa. Um, cuz they always wondered where it went. It was me. I stole it. Oh man, secrets are coming out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I don't know whatever happened to it. It's long gone. Right, right, sure. Uh, oh, gosh. And I forgot to mention the scene when they set up Jackie to watch. They have, like, this ritual that they do, like, Rat Pack Forever. And it's kind of sad that they have to do it without her. It was kind of a touching moment for me. But anyway, at the very end, they bury her, which, why? Like, just get out of there. Get the police. (laughs) They bury her, and then they're like, but we made it. And Trina's like, we made it because we're strong, and we've always been strong, and we were destined to make it. And Abby's like, yeah, okay. And so then they turn to walk away and then i knew this was gonna happen Mm. queenie who the mom has been talking about through the whole thing who is like this disfigured horrible backwoods naked lady um jumps out and attacks them and i mean we don't even we just see her jump out yeah it's like freeze frame i totally knew it was gonna happen but that being said, I was satisfied that it did. With all of these, with all of this talk about Queenie, I would have been disappointed if nothing came of it. And I thought that it was kind of a funny, funny way to end the movie. Like they're like, yeah. "Oh, we totally deserve to make it," and then this crazy <laughs> weirdo <laughs> attacks them from behind the bushes. It was kind Leaps of funny. Up. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you. It's that gotcha ending yeah. that a lot of horror movies just sort of have to have. And, and it works well, actually, here. It's a goofy movie. You could edit it about any way, and it would have been fine. Yeah. yeah, I was really shocked, actually. I Like you said, I was prepped for a really horrible experience, and it turned out to be kind of fun. Yeah. It wasn't the best movie I've seen by no. far. It wasn't. But it was way more clever and way better thought out, way better written, and even better acted than a lot of stuff that we see in this realm. And for that, I was really pleasantly surprised. So uh, I, I'm not going to go watch it again. But uh, I really, yeah, I enjoyed the experience, more or less. And uh, yeah. and I could recommend it if this is your bag. I, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. But if you like drive-in fare, yeah. you like kind of exploitation films, and this sort of tongue, even this sort of goofy tongue-in-cheek stuff, you probably enjoy watching this movie. Oh, gosh, I couldn't agree more. Like, I would recommend this over something like Last House on the Left. Oh, yeah. Because it's not going to make you feel like you need to go take a shower and throw up afterwards, (laughs) like those movies do. Um, I didn't love it either, but I expected to hate it, and I didn't hate it. I thought it was all right. I I didn't think it was a a chore to watch. I'm not going to say that I loved it and like you that I would watch it again, but you know, it was it was all right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it it kind of makes me wonder about the remake. I mean, I, I understand it's a loose remake. I've seen the but... it is, and I've seen the remake. I really don't remember anything about it oh. except for that Rebecca De Mornay plays the mother, and I think that really? Rebecca De Mornay is great. They and I remember that uh, it takes it much more seriously. It's I'm it's sure darker. It does. Yeah. yeah, it's darker. Um, and and the mother is far more calculating and wicked, mm. um, but it's similar. the The storyline is really, n- you know, it's not a backwoods family. 
I don't know. I don't remember it, uh, enough about it to really say, uh, and I don't even remember really how I felt about it. But it is. It's. It takes the same concept, but it's loose and it's darker. Maybe in another year or two, if we're still doing this, we might dig that one up. We'll see. Yeah, maybe Around we'll May. see. There's only so many Mother's Day movies. <laughs> I'm only aware of two. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy Mother's Day to our moms out there and to your moms as well. Yep. And any mom out there, happy Mother's Day. And pet moms and non-moms. and Sure. We appreciate you all. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. If you have any requests for us, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, Just search for Two Guys and a Chainsaw, or you can go to our website, twoguys.red40net.com. Leave us a comment there, give us your request, and let us know what you thought of this film as well as uh, any other films you would like us to review in the future. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw.